everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And welcome to our new series, The Demigod Dish, where we're going to dish about all things Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Shannon's never been more ready for anything. Like, y'all do not understand. (laughs) I, I kid you not. Like, I'm not even kidding. I opened up you know, Disney Plus to watch the episode. And I literally had to stop because I just like... Lost it. I lost it. Like, my YouTube channel is named after Percy Jackson. That old podcast I used to do, like, I did a whole series where I like... We read Percy Jackson and I like was it just like it's your entire personality. It is my entire your personality. dog is named my Percy. My dog is named Percy. <laughs> like I found out that my um coworker has never ever read Percy Jackson before and I like had to stop because I was going to talk to him about the show and I'm like what do you mean you've never se- you've never read Percy Jackson? What do you mean you don't know the epic highs and lows that is okay. Percy Jackson? Oh, I was going to say of Camp Half-Blood. Of Camp Half-Blood? The 15, bu- 16 book series that is Percy Jackson? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a lot. It's a lot, but like I have never been for- more ready for this moment. I was, I cannot begin to tell you the anxiety I felt like starting a couple of days ago where I was like, what if it's not good? But it had like such good reviews. I know. I was really trying to like temper my expectations though also, because I like, just didn't want to be disappointed. It's always a good sign when the preview starts early. Like they true. felt confident. They're like true. we can we can show this to reviewers early. It wasn't That's like true. the day. Like it's not like the the embargo dropped like the day before the show. Like we knew it was gonna be good. It was okay. Everything was gonna be okay. Everything I felt was gonna confident. be okay. I was worried. I was worried. I was like not talking about it. So I, I purposefully like didn't watch any interviews, any anything. I was like, I just I'm nervous, but it was so good. Like I'm I couldn't be happier. Um, so we're going to be talking all about the first two episodes. Um, but first, we do have some recommendations. Um, Alex has been watching The Gilded Age. Yeah. It's so wonderful. It's um, okay, so it's um, by Julian Fellows, who is the creator of Downton Abbey. So, this is an offshoot of Downton Abbey. It does exist within the same universe, but it takes place in the Gilded Age in the 1880s in New York City. Oh, man. Like, let me just tell you that almost nothing happens on this show, but it's the (laughs) most exciting thing to watch because um, stakes are so low. Like, the drama is petty. And there's, like, no stakes, but you tune in every week and you're just like, this is great. Like, this is so entertaining. Like, I they'll go to the They'll go to, like, Rhode Island for the weekend and it's, like, high society at the tennis club. And they go to the opera and they fight over the opera house. And then there's a boy who invents the alarm clock. Oh, clock boy. <laughs> Yeah, Alex has desperately been trying to get me to watch it, which I am going to start it. I just have not yet. I will say it's also full, like riddled with um, Tony Award winners. Like, it's a lot of stage actors. I feel like that's perfect for a show like this, because when it's petty drama, like you want somebody who can convey that 
theatrical quality. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's really genius on their part. Mm-hmm. And I also find it so fascinating, like, seeing New York, like, that long ago and how it's just, like, horse and buggy. Like, there's no cars yet. Um, it's just, like, it's so cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to start that. It's the newest HBO, like, fill in that succession White Lotus slot. Yeah. Season two just, just ended. Um, and hopefully it gets renewed for season three. I hope so. I hope so. Because it sounds like everybody really, really loves it. So I hope mm-hmm. so. And you go on Twitter for the memes. The memes are really good. <laughs> yeah. Even though I haven't seen it, I still see the memes and I still send them to Alex. And I'm like, this is great. I love this. <laughs> so I really have not been consuming anything other than like Bake Off Jr., which is like amazing and 10 out of 10. I'm upset. We just fit it. We don't have any more episodes to watch and I feel upset. Um, But after I saw The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, I re-entered my Hunger Games era. Um, So between this and Percy Jackson, (laughs) 2012 is just like alive in me. Yeah. Um, I I just reread the first book again and I just started Catching Fire um, actually like, a couple of days ago I'm only like a couple chapters in and it's just so good and like I like a lot of my students um I was actually using Hunger Games to like draw some connections with like we're talking about ecology and like things like that and um a lot of my students have seen the movie at least um and some of them have read it and a lot of them like have shown interest in reading it which is awesome Because, like, that first book, honestly, to me, is, like, a classic. Yeah. It is a classic. And, like, anything that can get through to today's kids is a success. (sighs) You're telling me, man. (laughs) Like, in order to get them to understand, like, birds have colorful feathers to attract mates, I had to call him the Rizzler. Oh, my God. I had to call him the Rizzler. I had to say he had W Riz. Like, we had to let him cook. (laughs) I just don't understand, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, like, I just think that The Hunger Games has been, like, so interesting. And, like, to see how it's stayed with, like, the general, like, subconscious has been really cool to see. This is, like, the third time I've read Hunger Games. And so I'm hoping that, like, thoughts and feelings about certain characters change. Um, They have not yet. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see as we go. Who's your favorite character? Oh, my favorite character? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I like I like Katniss, but sometimes she frustrates me. But I kind of like that about her mm-hmm. because she doesn't do what you want her to do. And yeah. she's confused by a lot of things. Like, that's something that I, I think about. Because um, where I am in the second book, she just talked to President Snow. Like, President Snow, like, came to her house. Yeah. And... I like that she's, you know, like, I didn't mean to do any of this. Like, and it's so genuine. Like, I genuinely didn't mean to do any of this. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll make it stop. And, like, she just, like, things happen to her, which is normally really annoying for a protagonist. But in her case, like, it kind of makes sense. Um, I do really actually like Hamish. Yeah. Surpri- like, he's so interesting. And out of all of the characters, like, I would really love to see more of his character just because like like he really went through it to be like where he is i do feel like because we know so much about hamish already 
that like a book about him is unlikely. I do because too. she's told us so much about him, about his history and about his games. It's mm-hmm. like everyone knows what happens in his games. Yeah. Well, and I saw something like from Suzanne Collins because like everybody was begging her, you know, like write a Finnick book or write a Hamish book or whatever. And then she chose Snow and everybody was like, why the heck would you do that? And even and at the time when the book came out, both of us didn't like the book very neither much. Neither one of us liked that book. And, and then- I... The movie was great. The movie was so good. And, like, that's kind of why I wanted to reread The Hunger Games because I want to reread that book. But I want to yeah. reread the whole thing first and then get to there. Mm-hmm. And somebody said that they did that because, you know, we're walking a fine line between being like, people talked about how, like, the movie for Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, like, really like made the games more of a spectacle than they were in the books. Yeah. And so, like, we are walking that fine line where it's, like, we want to watch, like, an actual Hunger Games, you know? Yeah. Um, So Suzanne Collins was, like, okay, so I'm going to give you this story about, like, the mastermind, like, behind it all. And, like, he truly is an awful person Mm -hmm. when you're reading that book. And that's very interesting. Like, I kind of – I like that she stuck to her guns and it's, like – this is a really, like, important piece of literature. I'm not just going to, like, cash out yeah. because you want to read about this character. I, well, I do wonder, like, at the time, I enjoyed it less because I just didn't like Snow's POV. Like, it yeah. wasn't necessarily the story, but being in his POV because, obviously, he's a lot more – he comes off a lot more harsh in the book because you're actually getting his thoughts – Whereas mm. in the movie... And his thoughts are horrible. Yeah. And in the movie, you're not getting that. Um, so I do wonder, like, if it had been from, like, Lucy's point of view in the book, if I had enjoyed it more. But I totally get what she's saying, that we needed to hear the story from his point of view. Like, we... Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think if it had been told from Lucy's perspective, it would have been so different. And so, like, I get why she made it from Snow's perspective, but it was just so hard. So, like, I definitely want to read it. And, like, reading um, Mockingjay is also hard sometimes. So, like, I'm kind of hoping now that I've seen, like, more from the fandom and, like, I understand a little bit more about things with it that I'll enjoy it more. Because I remember last time I read these books again, um, Mockingjay was still one that I was like, I don't know. I don't like it. So we'll see this time. Like, I feel like I'm going to like it more this time. But I do – like – like, Mockingjay being the weakest book is not un- an unpopular opinion. No, that is not an unpopular opinion. Um, my thoughts on the ending, however, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, anyway, so we don't really have any news or anything going on, especially with Star Wars. Like, it's a slow time. Um, especially, like, we're done with series for the year. We are done with books for the year, um, but we are in phase three of the High Republic. And Alex did finish Eye of the Storm. I have so, darkness. I have darkness. I have darkness. Yes, I have darkness. Yeah. It was really good. I really liked it. I miss our um, trio. I mean, like our duo now, but you know, trio. It's a trio. trio. Listen. <laughs> I so I've been reading the Shannon's comics. getting on her soapbox. No. Listen, I've been reading the comics, okay? I don't understand why we've seen, I'm going to make so many people mad, Buriaga <laughs> get rescued three times. 
three times, but Stellan Geos is dead. I just He's don't believe it. He's not in an underwater cave. He's in his underwater cave. <laughs> that's where that's where Buryaga was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> three <laughs> times. Three times. Why? Why? Just three to make Bell happy. Like Bella's so happy. He's not. He's not. <laughs> I mean, he's happy to have Burry. Like the last comment. So, like, there's two comics going on right now, which is um, the Higher Public Phase Three, which is like the third run of the Higher Public comics. There's I, actually there's two up issues out now. I've only read the first one, um, which is famously about Kiev Trennis. So that's she's over there. But there's also one by Charles Soule which is um, Shadows of Starlight, which is like telling stories right after the fall of Starlight Beacon. So we had one with Yoda, which actually has been my favorite. That one was very good. We had one with Avar and um, Elzar, which was kind of setting up Eye of Darkness. Um, I didn't like it that much, though, because I don't like how Avar was portrayed in that one. And then this last one was about Belle. And Belle is not doing great which i think you see that in eye of darkness as well but in eye in darkness he does like mention how like he's so glad to have burry back he is he's very glad to have Mm -hmm. burry back and i I do there's one thing that i do think was interesting about um issue three of shadows of starlight and it's that burry doesn't really want to be on the crusade that bell is on like, he's happy to just stay back at the temple and help the younglings, but Bell feels like he needs, like, basically revenge. But Burry is worried about Bell, so, like, he wants to stay close to him because he knows that Bell is his family and he wants to make sure he's there for Bell. And I did think that was very interesting. Like, that was a little bit of nuance that I wasn't expecting. I don't know what the fourth issue is going to be about. There's only four of them, so there's one more left. I don't know whose perspective is left Stellan yes Stellan Geos in his underwater cave wait who's the other the other dude that was in the eye the other Jedi what's his name again Loden no 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 the one that met up with Avar at the end of I've Darkness oh he's in a different he he's in the Blade comics Oh, so he it wouldn't be him. Yeah, is that Porter Angle? Is that yeah. you about? Yeah, he's yeah. in the Blade comics. And I I've been reading the Blade too, and they're okay. They're not necessarily my cup of tea, but um Portal Porter Engle has a sister, like not a biological sister, but they're like they're together a lot. And this was during phase two, actually. Um so he's cause he's very, very old. I don't know if she's still alive, but I really liked her. And she went on, like, a wayseeker, basically, path and, like, left him. I would like to see her come back. I don't know if she's dead or not. I don't know if we know if she's dead or not. Mm. Um, but I like her a lot. And Porter, Porter Ingle, I am glad that I read the Blade comics because I liked him better in Eye of Darkness. I think that it, I wouldn't have really cared as much if I hadn't read those comics. Yeah, so, like, Phase 3, you know, we don't get any more till January, which is the middle grade. Novel. It's very spread out. It's very spread out. We don't get Defy the Storm till March 12th. Mm-hmm. That's my spring break. <laughs> well, it's like, it's so obvious to me that this is the reading order and it's like, 
okay, we're giving you plenty of time to read this book before the next one. Yeah, they clearly don't want you to read these out of order, Mm -hmm. which I like because it gives us more of like a line to follow. I don't know exactly what Escape from Valo is about, but Valo is where um, the rising storm took place. So I think we're going to see some mentions of that. And then Defy, I think it's, I think it's about Ram again. I think Ram's in this book. And then Defy the Storm is about Vernestra, which I'm very eager to get back to Vernestra and Emery. We don't know where he is. Where is he? Is he alive? Can we see him come back to life three times? Oh, my God. Her, yeah, her Padawan's missing. So I think with that, we are ready to talk about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. I can't believe I can't believe we're talking about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. I was talking about this with Alex beforehand because um, we were talking about like, she didn't read the series until way later because, like, I made her read the series. Yeah. So, I like, I mean, like, I was an adult reading yes. the books. And I did read these, I think it was the summer between, like, eighth grade and ninth grade. So, like, going into high school. Um, and I read them because I saw the movie. So I saw the movie first, and I loved I loved the movie when I, I saw mean, it. I mean, like, why wouldn't you? Like, Logan Lerman. Exactly. Logan, I had a poster of Logan Lerman up on my wall for all of high school. Like, <laughs> if nothing else, I loved Logan Lerman in that movie. Um, so that, like, made me want to read the book. And, like, I always think about this with movies. Like, even if the movie isn't as good as the book, it does inspire new readers regardless. Mm-hmm. Um so then I read all the books and then I watched the movie again and I was like, um, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Um, so I read them all very quickly. I think I read all five of them over the course of that summer. And I was actually just talking about this with Alex. So the first book, um, The Lightning Thief, came out in 2005. So it's almost 20 years old, which is just wild to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can't believe we've been with... Percy Jackson for almost 20 years. Like, that's just insane. Um, and something about the books that I really like as I read them over and over is, like, you can see the progression of, like, Rick Riordan's writing. Because um, I actually – I don't think Lightning Thief is, like, the most well-written book. But then by the time you get, like, all the way to, like, books, like, in Trials of Apollo, like, the third Trials of Apollo book is just, like, chef's kiss. So good. Like, you really see that progression as it goes on. Um, And I really hope that this show is allowed to tell the entire five books. Like, I really hope they get all their five seasons. They would really have to mess up. Like, Disney Plus, Bob Iger would have to mess up. They they would really drop the ball if for some reason they did not get all five seasons. Because, like... When I tell you that this show is as close to perfect as it could possibly be, I truly mean that. This, it's so perfect. I think I, it comes down to the characters, like the acting. Um, everyone that they chose feels like perfect casting to me, and it wouldn't be as magical without them. There's obviously a lot of other really good things that have gone into this. Is like the CG looks really good. It feels like an expensive show that actually like they care. Like you know, like Disney gave this a budget. Yeah, which feels good already to, to see them do that and actually realize that this 
property that they're licensing is a big deal and that they should put care into it. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Like, Um, this has the potential to be, like, Disney's Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, Harry Potter, like, love it or hate it, like, what doesn't matter, it is such a cash cow. Mm -hmm. Like, and Universal has been all over that. And this can be Disney's Harry Potter. I hope they realize that. Like, I hope they do, too. Bringing Percy Jackson into the parks would be very successful. Oh, my God. You know, like, I was mentioning if I were to do anything, I would do something like the Escape to Gringotts ride, but it being, like, Percy Jackson and they're going on a quest. You're going on a quest with Percy Jackson. That would be so fun. That's, like, my imagineering cap going on. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. And if they – if it became so popular that they could do more than just that and do a whole land, like, obviously you have Camp Half-Blood. Yeah. Oh, man. Like – Having, like, a Camp Half-Blood just, like, area of the parks would Mm -hmm. be so insane. Honestly, like, this makes absolutely no sense in, like, the to the tune of the books. But, like, you know the way that part of California Adventure looks where it's, like, Northern California and, like, the Redwoods and stuff like that? That's not where the, you know, Camp Half-Blood is. But that foresty vibe is what I want. But the problem is, is that park is called California Adventure. I know. (laughs) Well, you see, it would just have to be New Rome. That side would have to be New Rome. And then you get Camp Half-Blood in Florida. Like that, you know? Yeah. Like, here's, like, the thing is, this won't happen anymore. But if you go back to the original plan for Animal Kingdom, and you look at the original logo for Animal Kingdom, there is a dragon on that. And that was because there was always meant to be a mythical creatures, a mythical creatures section, Mm -hmm. which I think like the mythical creatures from like Greek legends may be able to fit into that. But I think Percy Jackson is a lot more about humans and people than animals. Well, not necessarily um, because there is a lot of different creatures in it Mm -hmm. and there's sections of the camp like dedicated to like learning about specific creatures and stuff like that so like that could be an in that could for hundred i was gonna say the only reason why that won't happen anymore is because animal like disney has decided that avatar is their mythical creature section of the park now (laughs) (laughs) i mean like maybe they could still do percy jackson but yeah but like like, to think like animal kingdom is Animal Kingdom, Avatar, and Percy Jackson. Yeah, (laughs) and then, like, they're also talking about, like, Dinoland getting replaced (sighs) by Encanto and Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. Like... It doesn't make any sense to me. I... Indiana Jones makes so much sense in Adventureland. Like, that just makes so much sense. Yeah. I don't know why. But, like, it's... The reason why they're going to do it is because the track for Dinosaur is the same. Yeah. As the indie ride. So that, like, it's a cheap fix. That's what it is. It's really, it's going to be a cheap change for them. It's not going to cost them as much money. We can't That's get what that dino. Is. I want to get that and dino. No, I, I'm i I'm going to get that dino. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Alex will always be getting that dino. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I think that, like, Animal Kingdom might be a decent place for the Percy Jackson universe. Um, 
The other suggestion is if they ever did like a Greek pavilion in Epcot that there could be a Percy Jackson attraction. Now that wouldn't be a whole land because the land itself would just be the Greek pavilion Mm. and then having a ride like how the France pavilion has Ratatouille and like Norway has the frozen ride. So like I wouldn't prefer that. I would prefer a whole land somewhere else. I would still love a Greek pavilion. Oh, yes. Would still love a Greek pavilion. Well, and I mean, you can even tie into like Heroes of Olympus, they do go to Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like their whole quest is like they're going to the ancient lands and like things like that. And obviously they're nowhere near that part of the story, but it would still fit in. Like I just I really hope that Disney understands that the staying power of this franchise, yeah. it, it's huge. Like it Does Disney realize? <laughs> I mean, also, like Universal <laughs> is about to open a third gate in Florida. Really? In 2025. It opens in 2025. Dang. So, like, Disney, like, I don't know what that's going to mean for Disney because right now Universal has two parks and one water park, and then they're going to have a third theme park. So that's like, that's getting real close. Full, four full days at Universal. That's becoming a whole vacation. Whereas that's taking people away from Disney, right? Like, yeah. it used to be like you go to Disney for a week and do like one day Universal, right? Yeah, and, and not now, anymore. Yeah. So they really need to come up with ways to get people to Disney. Yeah. Galaxy's Edge is already open. Pandora already open. Like, mm-hmm. it, they're not attracting the numbers that they did the first few years they opened. Yeah. I mean, that would that would sell it. I mean, having Percy Jackson would 1000% sell it and like you can do like demigod training with kids like I oh just God, think yeah. like a stage show yeah like like or you know like how you can do like young jedi with, training turtle talk with crush but it's like demigod uh, training yeah oh my god it could be like blackjack or like something cute you know or yeah. just there's so many ways that they could do it and or, I like, just animatronics like having like a full like Chiron animatronic oh my or god yeah like walking around or something uh, like they could build like the um like the blue house like mm-hmm. yeah I'd be all into that the dining pavilion man I hope they realize that um anyway back to the show so um this show has been such a long time coming I remember when we were hearing about that Disney had, like, acquired the rights and, like, record and was, like, writing on it and all of this. And I I saw a lot of people saying that, like, the show, like, is such, like, obviously really cares about the source material. And you can really feel that. Um, I was looking, because all of the episode titles are actual chapter titles. And I was looking at the book titles again and you can see exactly where they are in the story. So, like, the first two episodes, we've actually made it, like, all the way to chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see where they go from there. Like, they're hitting, like, all of the big beats, which is really good. Um, these first two episodes were directed by um, James Bobbin, who directed both of the newer Muppets movie. Um, the second live action Alice in Wonderland, which is through the looking glass, and um, Dora the Explorer live action, man, which and Alex was correct. She we were talking about this before. She said all bangers. You're right. Yeah, and also I do want to say like Alice in Wonderland and Dora involve interacting with CG. 
mm-hmm. and like kids interacting with CG. Um, so he has that experience to like direct younger people interacting with things that are not there or mm-hmm. being on green screen. So I think that's really good. Yeah. I did see in the director's list that there's one woman director that was listed. Um, her name is escaping me. Um, but it didn't say what episodes she's directing. So that'll be interesting to see. Like there's some moments that I'm like very excited to see. Like next week we're supposed to get like Medusa. Mm-hmm. Um, and already I think that they're going to handle Medusa better than how they did it in like the books. Do you think that maybe the woman director will be directing the Medusa episode? I don't know. I would like that though. I would love to see it. Um, but I don't know if that's gonna be the case. Um, one of the things I will say about like the Greek myth and things like that is that's also something that you can see as like Rick Riordan has grown as a writer, like his initial thoughts and takes on like characters like Persephone and Medusa. Like originally I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. But like, as he's grown as a writer, they've kind of morphed and changed. So like, I'm excited to see those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to see that nuance with Medusa. Like I, I still expect them to like follow the books, but I am excited to see like a little bit more nuance that we get in there. But it's interesting with Rick being on the writing team in that he can fix things he regrets. Like, he yeah. can rewrite things mm-hmm. that he, like, like you said, Medusa specifically, like, he's gotten better at writing women mm-hmm. and what he would have done differently might, may show in the TV show. Yeah, I, I really like that. And they've, they've already added this idea of, like, glory into the show and, like, having mm-hmm. that be kind of the thing. Um, somebody brought up that, like, Percy wants glory, but not because, like, he wants it for himself. It's because he wants to, like, give his dad a piece of his mind. Um, Luke will learn more about him, but, like, he has glory. And so Percy really looks up to him. Clarice is kind of fighting with Percy because he comes in and immediately, like, he, you know, defeated the Minotaur. So, like, he's got all this glory that she wants. And I like that they're doing that because automatically, like, without getting too in-depth that the characters are spending too much time on, like, other things. You can already see these things um, just through that one little addition. So I like that they're doing stuff like that. They're, like, it's it's very clear that, like, they're adapting the book, they're sticking to the book, but they also understand that it's a TV show and they need to do these things to move the plot along. And they added that little scene about burning food. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, like, a really good addition. Man, when Percy does – that scene with Percy is so good. So, yeah, so they, they are told, you know, Luke tells him, like, that we, we burn food, something that we like kind of as, like, a sacrifice. And he sacrifices bl- the blue candy that his mom gives him. And it just – it ties in, like, his love for his mom. Like, mm-hmm. The, the heart of the first episode and even the second episode is his mother, like his love for her. I want to talk about Sally Jackson for a second. So the actress who plays her is named Virginia Cole. And Sally Jackson is like such a queen, but she brings something to this character that is so amazing. Like she is like electrifying. Like the mama bear 
Yeah. It's it's definitely like the mama bear personality. Like oh, I will like rip you apart. <laughs> and everything just makes so much sense. Like cause she's like with this deadbeat guy, like she's with Gabe, and you're like, why is she with Gabe? And like all this. And it's so clear that everything she does is for Percy because mm-hmm. she loves him more than anything. And then that translates to like Percy literally saying, like, I don't care who I'm the son of. I'm the son of Sally Jackson. Like, yeah. And that's so important, like, for Percy's character. He's such an angry kid. Um, but at the end of it all, like, it's his mom. Like, that's his driving force. And so the way she plays it is so perfect. And then their thing is blue food. And I was wondering how they would, like, explain that. And I'm glad that they just did it so subtly with, like, she gave him the blue candy. And then that's what he sacrificed because it represents his mom. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they didn't go into this whole thing with, like, oh, it's our thing. About it, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, yeah. I like that it was so subtle. Well, it wasn't, like, it was shown to us, not, like... Didn't tell us. To us. Yes. Like, I do feel like this show so far has done a really good job at trusting the audience. Yeah, it does feel like that. Like, especially, like, you know, I I look at it two ways. Like, I look at it from, like, obviously, I've read the book so many times. So, like, mm-hmm. I know certain beats. I know certain things. But I'm also thinking about, like, this This is going to be a lot of people's first, you know, inter- interaction with this at all. Um, and I love that. And I honestly think that these first two episodes so far have been so good for people who have, like, no knowledge of Percy Jackson and still sticking to the books as well. Like, yeah. it's, it's balanced so perfectly. Like, it's it's pleasing readers, but it's also working for people that, like, it's haven't a, read. It's working narratively. Like, yes. it, narratively, it is working. And I think that's, like, what adaptations really struggle with is that you have a reader base and sometimes – you will, I guess, like, create the show so closely tied to that, like, fan base Mm -hmm. that there's not enough in there for new people to come in and understand what's going on. Like, you need that book. Like, you need to have read the book to understand. Or you can go the other way and narratively take over the story too much to sell it to general audiences, and then you have the readers and the fans upset with it. And, like, this show is just, like, towing that line so perfectly, right? Like, like I said, it knows the viewers are smart, not explaining things. Like, this show is, you know, like, targeted for children, young adults, you know. But then you have a show like The Mandalorian, who is like, it's a show that's supposed to be for older an older audience than Percy. And it's, like, explaining – it's, like, hand-holding – everything i think it just really comes down to like these actors are so perfect and they do such a good job of conveying who their character is like you don't need to tell me any like you don't need to tell me anything like i can see it all over their faces like walker scoble who like plays percy jackson he is just nailing it yeah and like this is something so I thought about this because, like, I now teach middle school and, like, Percy Jackson, like, is a 12-year-old. Like, I teach, you know, people that are Percy Jackson's age. And I always loved – so the big – like, one of the big things in this is that Rick Riordan wrote this story for his son because his son had ADHD, dyslexia, and he wanted to give him a hero that, like, was like him, you know? And that's always been a part of the books. But there's something – I do not know how to explain it. 
the way Walker acts as Percy, I literally could see him like in my classroom, like as a kid with ADHD. Like it's it's yeah. played so perfectly. It's not like, oh, squirrel over here thinking about a million things. It's so perfect. Like he is so believable and it's so realistic. Mm-hmm. And I I can just see so many of my students looking at this performance and go, oh my God, like that's that's just like me. Well, there's even like Walker talking about his experience working with the acting coach mm-hmm. too. And it's like clear that these kids care so much and that they're, you know, having these conversations with their acting coach, like how they should play it. And like, mm-hmm. especially that aspect, the ADHD, you know, the dyslexia. And it's going to be so important for kids to be able to see that like on screen. Yeah, I think that that's going to be one of like the biggest driving factors of like because you want to pull those kids in like at the end of the day like this show really is like for them like these are for like the kids like the newer generation um and I think that's something that like they're handling with like ease you know and like Star Wars in general is supposed to be doing that and I can tell you from firsthand experience these kids do not care about Star Wars at all because Star Wars doesn't care about them but this is a franchise that you can already tell cares about them and wants them to feel seen like they are the heroes of this story and like Walker's doing that perfectly I'm excited to see more from Annabeth I think right now like she's playing it perfectly Leah is playing it so perfectly as Annabeth (laughs) But I'm excited to see when we finally, like, break past her walls. Because Annabeth also, like, she's very smart. She's a leader. She's all of these things. But she also is, you know, neurodivergent in these ways and, like, has that ADHD, also has that dyslexia. And it's interesting to see when those things, like, she has to, like, wrestle with those things still. So I'm excited to see more of that from her. And I think we'll start to get it. We really start to get it, like, as they move in further into the plot. Like, after they meet Ares, you really start to see it with her. Um, And, like, obviously, once they get going on this quest and it's just the three of them, we'll start to see that as well. Um, If it's anything like their interviews, I think. I think the three, the, the trio is going to be doing really good. Yeah, it feels like that Leah is Annabeth, even yeah. like not acting. Like in her interviews, she feels like she's still in character. It does. And like, so Walker and Arian, who plays Grover, also like their dynamic is so good. It's so good in the show, but even off, off camera, like they are just like, they're 12 year old boys just having a great time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like Grover... Man, our 24-year-old teenage boy. I love him. I love how it's not a dress. He's just like, I'm 24, and it's just like moved past that. Like I saw, I saw a meme where it was like Percy, and it's like, we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's one of the things that I was not expecting them to do is they're really handling Grover in such an interesting way. Because Grover, like, there's a lot to him, like, with the council and, like, his job as a protector and all of that. Like, I wasn't expecting to see the council. Like, we saw mm-hmm. the council of Cloven Elders. Like, But, I mean, we have time for that in a TV show. Yeah, that's true. That's the difference. Yeah, like, he feels more than just Percy's sidekick, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think that's what's important about this trio is that they are a trio and it's mm-hmm. not Percy and his sidekick. Yeah, which I think, like, is a trap that, like, a lot of trios fall into. It's, like, the main character, the sidekick, and the girlfriend. 
Yeah. And that's not what this trio is. Like, it's very much, they're all best friends. Mm-hmm. And Percy and Grover, like, have an insane connection that not even he and Annabeth have. And so that'll be interesting to explore as well, especially, like, when they were younger. Because the romance with Percy and Annabeth, like, doesn't start until you see glimmers of it in the third book. And then it's not really till the fourth book that you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, this is a thing. But that's because they're young, right? Yeah. They don't they don't know these things yet. I also want to shout out um, Dior, who plays Clarice LaRue. She, I'm terrified of her. She's so Walker said that she's so scary. <laughs> he said it was so scary to like do scenes with her where she's like coming at him with the spear. Like he was genuinely so scared of her. I like we haven't seen a ton of her other than that. Like obviously she's an antagonist to Percy. She's a bully. Um, as the books go on, she has one of the best arcs I've ever seen in story. Like she's so good, and they're already playing it perfectly. Like, Dior already, like, has it down, and she, like, she has a bigger arc in the second book, and then she really comes into it in the fifth book as well, and I love it. Like, I, I'm here for, I'm sat. I'm sat for her performance, for her performance. <laughs> so I think we need to talk about our boy, um, Charlie Bushnell. Yeah, we're, we're big, um... What's the sh- the president show? Yeah, Diary of a Future Diary President. Diary of a Future President. We were the if there's one fan of that show, it's us. It's us. I think we're um, the only ones that remember that show. But it got canceled, and then didn't it get removed from Disney Plus? Yeah, altogether? I don't think it's on there anymore. They yeah. scrubbed it. They like, scrubbed it, and his performance is so good in that show. He so finds out he, he's gay. Yeah, like, when when he. When he got cast as Luke, we were both so excited. We were sold. No one else was excited because they didn't know who he was. Yeah, but no, we were like, excited. He? he, to me, is like perfectly cast for Luke. Perfectly yeah, he's cast. Playing it so well. He's playing it so well, and it's so. I love seeing the interviewers and like people, you know, talking who about like the know. who don't know. Yeah, like his arc. Yeah. I don't think we're going to spoil. No, we won't, we won't. spoil. But no, no, no. Um, just like he, Luke is so great. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize um, Chris Rodriguez is um, the other friend with Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both come in to play a lot, like as the books go on. Um, so I didn't realize that that was Chris Rodriguez. So I hope they keep that casting because I'd like to see his arc. I'm very excited to see that. I do think it'll be interesting because just knowing that like Luke is the son of Hermes and Hermes is Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know. <laughs> My dad messaged me. He's like, who's Lin-Manuel Miranda playing? I'm like, Hermes. And he's like, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad loved it, didn't he? He loved the two episodes. Yeah. So... My, I think I've told you this before, whereas I think my dad has read a book or two, but he didn't read them in order. Like he, oh, you read them out of how, order? Well, I don't know how this happened. I think he just took out one from the library, one that was available. And oh, I, was I did like, that with Lemony Snicket. <laughs> I was like, I think you need to, you need to read them in order. Like it's like <laughs> reading Harry Potter out of order. Like don't do that. 
Like, let me just think it's a little easier because, like, each story is, like, contained. And, like, there are some references to, like, past events, but still it's, like, easier. But, yeah. So he – I don't think he had, like, a super – like, it wasn't, like, a negative experience with Percy Jackson, but not, like, super positive because I don't think he knew what was happening. I don't know what – to this day, I don't know which one he read. Like, huh. I don't know. Maybe he needs to go on his Libby app and look at his history because then maybe we can figure out which one he read. But anyways, he really enjoyed both episodes. He was telling his brothers that they need to watch it. And he was very enthusiastic. The boy genius lover. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also on that note, um, Dionysus, so perfect. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, yeah. I could not imagine a more perfect interaction. Like, he's like, oh, I'm your father. Go get some wine for me. And then he called he called him Peter Johnson, which is just means so much to me. Means everything to me that he called him Peter Johnson. Oh, my God. I like I, I think I liked the first episode a little bit more than the second one. Um, I really liked seeing the fight with the Minotaur, especially because like Percy inherently is like so angry at the world and seeing his mom like be taken like that and then taking down the Minotaur was a very, very big moment. And I loved seeing that introduction um, and meeting like Chiron, like for real, for real, like as a horse. <laughs> um, and Mr. D was great. The second episode I also really liked because we get a lot of Luke. But I will say my one my one thing is that I feel like the pacing is just a little off. I don't know if you feel that, too. In the second episode? Yeah. I didn't think in the first episode. I thought the pacing was good in episode one. Episode two? Yeah. Maybe, like, it felt, like, very fast. Like, they were building up to revealing his godly parent. And it happened very quickly. Yes. I, like, because I loved his interactions with Luke and, like, being introduced to the camp. And then having capture the flag, like, I I like all of those elements. They just, they go really fast. And then I found myself at the end of episode two when they immediately, like, as soon as they see that, you know, he's Poseidon's son, they immediately start talking about this quest. And I'm like... Wait, like, it, breathe. Yeah. Like, it, like is he going to visit the Oracle, though? Do we know if, like, they cast the Oracle, didn't they? Maybe. I don't know. Because, like, I I hope so. Like, I, I just kept thinking about that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, is he not going to visit the Oracle? Like, where's the Oracle? Like, I want to yeah. see him visit the Oracle. Um, and I know, like, the next episode is, like, jam-packed. Like, because they're going to, like, Luke is going to see them off, which is important. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, I think they're probably going to see the fates on the bus. Um. We know that Medusa is coming. So, like, that, it's a lot of things. How many chapters is that? How many, like, what chapters well, Medusa? The first two episodes already go to chapter nine. Hold on. Let me just get the book down instead of looking this up. So, the first episode is called I Accidentally Vaporized My Pre Algebra Teacher, which is the first chapter. Um, we didn't see three old ladies knit the socks of death, but I think we're going to see that in the next episode. Um, Grover lost his pants. Mother teaches me bullfighting. Um, play Pinocchio with a horse. Then we have the second episode was called I Become Supreme Lord of the Bathroom, 
which happened. We saw that. Um, we saw dinner go up in smoke. That was the offering. Captured the flag. Um, I am offered a quest. So I think that's when he meets the Oracle. So I think we've seen part of Chapter 9. I don't think we've seen all of Chapter 9. We visit the Garden Gnome Emporium is the next episode. That's Chapter 11. Maybe they just wanted to, I guess, like, the sacrifice going fast through Episode 2 to actually have time in other episodes. I mean, I definitely think that they want to get the quest going. Yeah. Like, I, I too, also would want to be getting the quest underway by episode three of, like, an eight-episode series. Like, that makes sense. The fourth episode is I Plunge to My Death, which is chapter 13. So that's... So that's slow. It's, like, a little slower than... Mm-hmm. A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers is chapter 15, um, which that is... The Tunnel of Love, I'm pretty sure. Wait, how many chapters are there in this book? 22. Okay. So then getting to chapter nine by a quarter through is fast. That is fast. And that's probably why it felt fast. Yeah, they got like halfway through the book in only two episodes. Yeah. close to it. Well, and like what's interesting, so chapter five, not chapter five, um, episode five is the same as chapter 15. And then episode six, we take a zebra to Vegas. That's chapter 16. Okay. So. I mean, that's a lot, though. The Vegas stuff, that's, like, a that's lot. That's a lot. Well, so we take a zebra to Vegas. I I highly doubt they're going to do the waterbed chapter. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? I don't think I remember. I always forget it. They, they, they're, like, at a waterbed store. And there's some dude there. He's really weird. And he tries to, like, trap them in the waterbeds. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. Um, a waterbed is, like, so early 2000s. Like, yeah, I don't kids think. Kids don't even know what a waterbed is anymore. Yeah. So I don't think they'll do that, that one. Um, we find out the truth, sort of, is chapter 19. So I think, like, that's going to be, like, the underworld for sure. And then the prophecy comes true is actually the name of chapter 22. Okay. So I feel like then it'll be pretty well paced. Then. I think so. I think after this point, it's going to get paced very well. I wonder what would have happened if they had done a nine episode season and paced episode two better. I think if they had done that, what they could have done, like episode one, I think is perfect. Yeah. I would have liked to see Capture the Flag almost be its own episode. Yeah. Like getting to know so like like Camp Half Blood, getting to know yes. my surroundings, getting to know the people around me, and then capture the flag. Yeah. Like it could have ended with like we're starting Capture the Flag, or you still could have done both episode like both of it and just have it end with him getting claimed and then doing an episode of sending them on the quest. Yeah. And then like starting episode four with the garden I'm gnomes. sure like marketing or like not marketing, but like people that they have working for Disney for like writing or like we need to get this show off its feet by episode three to keep the audience like intrigued. Yeah, yeah I think they want to keep it moving, which I totally yeah. understand. I think if this was a show that like they dropped all at once, you could probably do that. Um, or if this was, like, back in the day where we had, like, 22-episode seasons, yeah. you know? Um, back so, like, in I totally my get day. that. Back yeah. in my day, we back used to have 22-episode seasons. Back in the day of Lost. 
Oh my gosh. Where you have a whole episode where they're just playing golf. (laughs) The glory days. I miss Lost. Are you going to rewatch it? Probably. That's one of the shows that we didn't get to talk about because of the writer's strike. Oh yeah, that we both watched Lost. We both watched all of Lost and became obsessed with it. (laughs) I still think about Lost. But yeah, I am interested to see what all is in the third episode and in the fourth episode. Um, Because, like, I'm really glad that we're going to meet Ares and they're still doing this whole Ares plot because they didn't do that in the movie. And it's very interesting. And that, like, informs Percy's relationship with Clarice, like, going on later. And the more we can see with how the gods act with their kids, the better the payoff is going to be later on. Because that's, that's like, the thing with this first series is that like the gods don't care and by the end of it it's like you know do we care that the gods don't care or should they care like all that kind of stuff um also honorable mention sally jackson listening to logical by olivia rodrigo in the rain in the rain whoa girl me too now imagine if they had gotten Logan Lerman to play Poseidon. No, wait. Do we know who's playing Poseidon? I always we ask do. this. We do. We do. But what if it's not that person? What if it was a lie? I, I don't. I feel like Logan Lerman would have been in the show if they asked him. Did they ask him? Did Fans they ask him? It. Fans wanted it. The one good thing. Actually, no, I liked the actor who played Luke. I did like the actor who played Luke. But Logan Lerman, man, he's aged so well to play Poseidon. But alas. Alas. He even has the, like, curls, which everyone on this show has curls. Man, the curl off that is happening. I love that. I'm sure hair has so much mousse and, like, curl cream in their, like, (laughs) hair trailer. Well, I saw um, Arian, like, getting ready for the premiere, and um, they were, like, he has natural curls, obviously, yeah. but they were also curling individual pieces so that, like, it would look yeah. nice. <laughs> they, everyone on the cast has curly hair. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Also, can we just talk about, like, Walker has already, like, had such a growth spurt. Yeah, like he's much older in interviews. Yeah, like his his voice, his voice has gotten is deeper too. Deeper, yeah. But that but that's fine. Like, I mean, hopefully they'll not wait too long to film season two, right? Like, I hope so. If they can do one season per year, that would be great. Like, I think that would be such a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I would love to see that. Like, I'm already thinking about stuff that happens. Like, Sea of Monsters is. Honestly, out of the fir- like the original five is probably my least favorite, but I still really like it. Mm-hmm. How they play Tyson, I think, is going to be very interesting because um, that could like make or break it. Tyson makes or breaks it for a lot of people, so I'm excited for that. We're out of school right now, which like famously I am so happy about. Yeah. But I am really excited to see like if any of my students watched. Um, Did you talk to them about it before going on break? I didn't actually. So I don't always talk. I don't talk a ton about Percy Jackson with them because if they haven't read it, I don't want to spoil it because they normally read it at the end of the year, like for English class. Oh, they do? It's like a required reading? Yeah. 
That's really cool. I know. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, my first year, um, they did, like, they read Percy Jackson, and it worked out really well because um, they have a Greek unit mm-hmm. for social studies. Um, so they learn, like, all the, like, the Greek mythology and, like, the history and all that. And, like, we do, like, a Greek Olympic Games, like, as our field day, yeah. which is fun. Um, Are there um, any other modern books that they read in school? Not really. I mean, my the last year they read a book that I'd never heard of called, like, Freak the Mighty. Um, but they also read The Hatchet, which is re- classic. Yeah. We, Love the hatchet. We all read the hatchet. Did you see that TikTok that said um, American literature taught in schools is basically boy with dog? Yeah. <laughs> isolated. Isolated boy with dog. I love isolated boy with dog. Um, this year, they just finished reading a book called War Horse, which I've never read. But they Sounds watched, familiar. there was like a movie that they watched. It was Boy with Horse. Boy with Horse. Yeah. Boy with Horse. Yeah. They read A Wrinkle in Time last year. Um, but every year so far in the spring, they've read Percy Jackson, which I just, that makes me so happy. You need to, you need to figure out how to tie in science to all of that. I know. Like I, I can, I do really well with like tying in when we talk about like climate and stuff with what they talk about in social studies. Um, I hope this year, I need to talk to their English teacher about it. Like instead of showing the movie if they could watch like the show like watch like the first two episodes or something of oh the show oh my god yeah because normally they show the movie um which they have to get permission for have, and all like, that disney plus on your tvs at school um well i have my assistant principal's login because <laughs> <laughs> um, i used to be like the movie room for reward days so i still have her login i would give their english teacher my login to, so that she could show that, though, to be perfectly honest. Um, I would so rather than watch, like, the first two episodes of the show. Yeah. Although a lot of them might have already seen it, but still, like, even for the ones who haven't, like... And then you inspire them and they'll get into it. Because yeah. it'll be so much more inspiring than watching the movie. I know, I know. that's how you got inspired, but, like, imagine. But, like, now, nowadays, like, they don't really care about the movie. Um, and they... I don't know if they also their attention the spans. Kids' attention spans are so bad now that, like, yeah. it needs to be really good. Well, and they could easily watch like one episode during class instead mm-hmm. of like a whole movie. Yeah, like they could, and it doesn't even have to be the first episode. Like you know, and then they go home and watch the rest. Yeah, like I remember. Um, I actually their English teacher was my English teacher when I was in middle school. Um. And we read, like, the first couple of chapters of Aragon, like, at the end of the year when I was in eighth grade. And I went out and read the entire series after that. Mm -hmm. Like, it just takes a little bit, you know? Um, So I would really love to see that for them. Like, anything that gets these kids excited. Like, Gen Alpha, like, (laughs) y'all. They've seen it all. They've seen it all. They don't get excited by anything. They really don't. They really don't. So, like, I would love to see them get into this. Like, I, I always try to, like, read a book with them during, like, our... It's kind of like a study hall. Um, and so, like, last year I read um, this book. It's, like, very – it's kind of scientific. And one girl loved it so much that she bought the rest of the books. Like, I was – I couldn't believe it. Like, she she finished the whole thing before I had even gotten, like, halfway through the book. So it's, like, I just – I love when stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I am so excited for this show to do that to a new generation of kids. Because, like, for me, what finally got me into reading – was Twilight. You never know what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anything. 
So is there anything else that we need to dish about? I don't think so. It felt so good watching it, though. Like It, it made me happy. The Oh, the after credits are beautiful. The artwork. <gasps> they are beautiful. I love that it, like, tells the story, too. Like, you can see, like, <laughs> where they're going and, like, stuff like that. Like, I really like that. It's really pretty. I wonder who did, like, the art for the after yeah, credits. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully it wasn't AI, like, um, secret invasion. <sighs> God, I hope not. I will say that's one thing about Rick Riordan. Like, his original art for so long was so terrible. No hate to the artist who did whoever the original art was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've never seen it, look up, like, the original concept art of um, Nico D'Angelo. <sighs> it's bad. Oh. <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> um, we will be covering um, all of the episodes um but we're gonna do it like same as always we're gonna do about two episodes per um episode for us so Mm -hmm. if you guys have anything that you wanted to add or anything that you want to make sure that we talk about with Percy Jackson and the Olympians please make sure that you let us know um I think that's gonna do it for this episode Uh, If you want to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.